In 2018, President Nelson issued a prophetic plea to the women of the church to help shape the future by helping to gather scattered Israel. As part of that invitation, he talks about fearless mothers of faith and the influence they can have. Who are these fearless mothers of faith, and what do they look like? Fearless mothers of faith are mothers who trust in God's promises and aren't afraid to invite their children to act on the things they're learning. Fearless mothers of faith aren't swayed by the opinions of other mothers or even their own children. They know their end goal and they are willing to do what it takes to help their family get there. Fearless mothers of faith are committed to improving themselves, doing what's right, and consistently growing closer to their Savior. Do these attributes resonate with you? Is this something that you are striving to become? If so, you will enjoy this episode as we explore more deeply what it means to be a fearless mother of faith and how we can become one. Welcome to the My Teaching Matters podcast, where our mission is to help you, the intentional parent, to teach your children in such a way that they can personally experience the power of Jesus Christ while still at home. Welcome, everyone, to the My Teaching Matters podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Jensen, and I'm here with my mom and co-host, Leslie Johnson. Hi, everybody. Mom, what is our topic today? Today, I want to talk about who are fearless mothers of faith and what do they look like. Um, We just finished up our 10-day challenge with um, several mothers, and we had a great experience of just trying to deep dive into really helping our children transform, transforming our teaching to transform our families and to become, you know, start really implementing these uh, principles of the gospel that we're learning, not just um, learning for information, but learning for transformation. And you, as you were kind of um, promoting this um, challenge, came up with the idea of, of fearless mothers. And I loved that title. And I wanted to talk a little bit about fearless mothers and what they look like. So tell us a little bit, Lindsay, about how you came up with this term or this label of fearless mothers. Yeah. So in all honesty, it started, I've been trying to think for a long time, what to call our people, right? The people who are following us, people who are are joining this movement with us to really teach our children in an effective and um, transformational way. Um, And I've been trying to think of like, you know, who are we? What are we trying to do? What's it, what's a way that we can, can term ourselves, those who are part of this, this movement, this, this desire. And um, I I turned to the scriptures. Well, actually I turned to um, the words of, of President Nelson. I felt inspired to, to look at some of his talks and I came across, well, I, I didn't just come across, I, I purposefully chose, but I went to one of his talks um, back in 2015. This was before he was a prophet, actually. And he, um, it's called A Plea to My Sisters, and it's one of my favorite talks ever. Um, a Plea to My Sisters. And he talks about like what he wants from, from women right now, to the, to the women of the church. And I want to quote just a little bit. He says, today, let me add that we need women who know how to make important things happen by their faith, who are courageous defenders of morality and families in a sin-sick world. We need women who are devoted to shepherding God's children along the covenant path towards exaltation. 
Women who know how to receive personal revelation, who understand the power and the peace of the temple endowment. Women who know how to call upon the powers of heaven to protect and strengthen children and families. Women who teach fearlessly. Right? And I just, anyway, I feel like that paragraph is so powerful. I've always loved that. And as I was reading it this time, specifically thinking, you know, what can I call these people, those of us who are striving to teach this way? Um, and that term, women who teach fearlessly, stuck out at me. And it just kind of was in my mind, just just sitting there for a couple of days. And then I went to another talk by um, President Nelson. This one, when he introduced the Come Follow Me manual, or the Come Follow Me um, program. Yeah, the first time that he did it. And it... Um, program. It's called um, Sisters Participation in the Gathering of Israel. And so again, it's specifically to the sisters. But he talks about how as mothers, it's really it's going to be up to us to implement this program. He flat out says it. He says, it's going to be, it's going to be up to you. And he tells a story of one woman who she noticed that her son was on a path that was not going to allow him to serve a mission. He was on this path that wasn't exactly where he wanted to be or that she, yeah, that she felt like was not going to take him where he needed to go. And, um, she was praying about it, trying to figure out what to do. And she had the inspiration that she needed to switch his smartphone for a flip phone. And he was mad. He did not like this. But President Nelson, he says, this young man's mother is a fearless woman <laughs> of faith. Um, and talked about how she felt she followed through with that prompting. Like it it really helped her son kind of re go back on track and get to where she, he needed to be. Um, but again, there was that word fearless. And it just kind of stuck with me. And I was like, you know what? That's who I want to be. And that's who I want to invite others to come join with us and to be with us this idea of a fearless mother of faith um anyway so i just want to talk a a little bit about what that means what comes to your mind mom when when i say fearless mother of faith what does that mean to you you know i i love that i um there's so much power behind those words to me and um, the imagery of a fearless mother of faith just um, puts into words the feelings that I have as a mother and as a grandmother um, and a protector of these young children. I just, um, I just love it. And I love the hope that President Nelson gives us as he gives us a vision of who we can and who we need to be as mothers and the hope that it's possible that we can do these things as we put forth the effort that we can become these fearless mothers of faith who um, who can raise a generation uh, of kids that can withstand the trials and the tribulations of these latter days. And that is why... Um, that's why we are here is because he has entrusted um, in us, he has trust in us that we can do what he needs to have done for his children at this time. And it's a big responsibility, but it's also um, very empowering and it's very exciting to think that I can be part of this movement to be a fearless mother of faith that will stand strong and that will um Forge the way for yeah. these so, younger spirits to this, um, to move forward over Christmas as well. Break, we were at my in-laws' parent house and we were watching more movies than my kids usually do. And my three-year-old came up to me randomly one day. It, it, this wasn't even right after a movie. This was a little bit later, but 
<laughs> she comes up, she's just randomly, hey mom, all the good guys have good moms. <laughs> she like, just like, I was like, oh, true, that's true. <laughs> I just thought that was so cute. Like, all the good guys have good moms. And, but how true is that? Like, if you, like, as a mom, you have to, you, you're a good mom, right? And you're raising good kids. And that's, um, that's who we're, that, that's, that's right. who's listening to this podcast or those kind of mothers. And we really appreciate each of you who are listening because, um, because you're on that journey. So yeah. as I've been thinking now, pondering about this term fearless mother of faith for a couple months at this point, um, some of the things that I've written down of how, what it means to me, right? A fearless mother knows their end goal, right? They know where they're trying to go and they are going to do what it takes to get there. Right? They're not swayed by the judgment of other people, not swayed by the judgment of their children, even yes. if their children don't like what's happening. Like, I mean, if it, th- they know what's right and they're going to do what it takes to get there. They're not afraid of those That's things. That's really important. Um, right, one of the other things I wrote down is that fearless mm-hmm. mothers of faith know how to access the power uh, or yeah, access the power of God and they're not afraid to ask for it. Right? That stood out to me in President Nelson's stuff. Like they ask God and Christ for help, for guidance, and they move forward fearlessly. They're not afraid to request and to invite that power into their lives. That's something I'm working on. That's something I've learned. I'm learning that God is willing to give me a lot more than I tend to ask for. And I'm working hard at being better at asking and inviting that power into my life and trusting that it's going to be there, not being afraid that he's not going to fulfill his promises. I know that he's going to fulfill his promises Mm -hmm. and I'm going to try to be a little bit more bold in my requesting his help. And inviting our children to do the same, inviting our children. That's exactly to right. That was the last on, thing I wrote on, on these bit, promises and the things down. that they're learning. <laughs> you nailed it. No, that's perfect. No, we're oh, you know, fearless sorry, mothers are fearless in their invitations <laughs> to their families and to others, right? They're not going to be afraid to invite their children to act on something, um, that they feel like they need to act on, right? They're not going to be swayed and not be afraid of these things. I think it really comes down to not being afraid of the what ifs, of what could happen, that n- trusting God, having that faith. It's not just a fearless mother. It's a fearless mother of faith, right? And I think that that part is also important, that having that faith in Christ's promises. Mm. So those are some of the things that it means to me. So I love that. Let's, um, you know what, um, what I'd like to kind of do is just explain explore these ideas a little bit deeper, Lindsay, and talk about these ideas of what a fearless mother of faith looks like. So so let's let's start with that one that, that we were just talking about, trusting God's promises. Um, as fearless mothers of faith, we trust in God's promises and we won't be afraid to invite our children to act on the things they're learning. So what kind of promises has God made to us as mothers? I, mean, I think that, that if we're going to... Um, have the faith that we need to act on these kind of things. We need to know what those promises are, and then and then have faith in that. Um, so, so one of the ones that I thought about as I was thinking about this that really impacted me was um, again um, back in 2018 when Come Follow Me was first introduced, and President Nelson um, is promising those that are going to that would participate in this. Let me just read what he says. He says. The new home-centered, church-supported, integrated curriculum has the potential to unleash the power of families. Mm. 
Let me read that again. Unleash the power of families. And I don't know exactly what that means, but I want to talk about that. As each family follows through conscientiously and carefully to transform their home into a sanctuary of faith, I promise that as you diligently work to remodel your home into a center of gospel learning, over time, your Sabbath day will be a delight. So these are the things that he's promising. Your Sabbath day will be a delight. Your children will be excited to learn and to live the Savior's teachings. And the influence of the adversary in your life and in your home will decrease. Changes in your family will be dramatic and sustaining. So those are some pretty um, bold and exciting promises. If we look at those things, I think those are the things that that intentional mothers are looking for. That, you know, they want their children to be excited to live the gospel. We want them to, the influence of the adversary to be less in their homes. They want their their family time to be a delight and their Sabbath day to be a delight. I mean, those are things that we're, we're looking for. And and the fact that he says that this there's this unleash this power of the family, I just, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. wow, what is it about the family that has such power? Well, for me, one thing, the biggest thing that comes to mind first is that, you know, come follow me or church, the gospel learning in general, I've always believed this, is not about the information, it's about the transformation, right? It's not what you're teaching your kids. It's about helping them become more like the Savior. So if your teaching is not helping them become more like the Savior, then it's it's at not, right? It's, it's, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. It's almost a waste of time. If not completely, then like it's it's yeah. on the, that track, right? So when we're teaching, we need to be helping people actually grow closer to the Savior. That's the ultimate goal. Um, we'll grow closer and then become more like Him, right? Mm-hmm. And in church, we can extend invitations. We can try to help people. People can feel the Spirit in that moment. But then you go home and they have a week. And the next week, you're talking about something completely different and there's no follow-up and there's no, like, it is really hard to change dramatically from what you hear at church, frankly. But when you're at home and you're teaching your children and you're talking about how Jesus wants you to know, come to know that the church is true, or Jesus can help answer your prayers, help you know what truth is, and you can follow up on that. You have one thing you're focusing on for the full month and you follow up on that day after day after day. And some days aren't going to be great, right? Not every day is looking pretty, but over the course of a month, you're going to have talked about this enough that your kids are going to start having experiences and you can help encourage them to act. And you can follow up on those actions. You can have them set goals. You know what's important to them. You can help create those goals. You can help create those things. And I feel like that is the power in a family. That is unleashing the power of family. When you are there with your children day after day, helping them feel the power of Christ, stepping them through how to receive revelation, helping them act on that revelation that they have received, that's not something you can do at church. That's something a church leader cannot do for someone. But you as a parent, as a mother, as a fearless mother of faith, you can do that for your children. Absolutely. And what it, what that allows you to do is there's, and I don't remember who gave this talk, but there's another talk that talks about tailor fitting the armor of God to your, to your children. And that's what you can do in your home is that you can see what each child in your home needs and tailor fit their experiences or their learnings to what they need. You know, when you're at church, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a generalized blanket statement. But when you're at home, it's an individualized learning where you can work on the things that um, are particular for each one of your children and, and make it so that the experiences that they are having 
are meaningful and applicable to them in their life at that time. And that can't happen at church. You're absolutely right. A primary ch- a teacher cannot see yeah. the struggles that your child is having during the week. They don't know. They they aren't there on a day-to-day basis, but you as a parent are. And that's why as parents, the responsibility to teach our children lands so much upon us is because it is in the home that we truly can change and truly to to become. Um, the eternal principle that we're looking at here is that families are the central unit of eternity. That is extends beyond this life. It's how Heavenly Father has put a system in place to teach His children yeah. the things that we need to know, and it starts with the family. And that home can be a sanctuary of faith and a center of gospel learning where we can um, put into action, just like you were telling, we can actually put into actions the things that we're learning and we can practice them. And what better place to practice and fail than in your own home where people love you and where people are going to encourage you and where people are going to uh, mm-hmm. pick up the pieces when when it doesn't go right. Um, and that's what a home can do. A, a healthy home can help make it a, a place where practice is okay, where we can learn and not be intimidated and not think we have to be, have it right the first time, but we can, we can learn and be encouraged along that path. In fact, one of the things that I've loved about this come follow me is because, um, because we're all kind of working on the same thing that the topics are, are, are alike. And I remember, um, oh, it's been probably a year ago yet now or even more that, that your little Evelyn was, um, mm-hmm practicing choosing faith over fear. She went through a period of time in her life where she was really anxious about things and worried about the what-ifs and um, what was going on. And um, and you came to visit us, and we had been talking to you, and so we knew that this was something that you were trying to help Evelyn with. And and um, so while you were at, at our home, um, Grandpa took the opportunity to to work with Evelyn on, on choosing faith. And they did some scary things. They went on a, a side-by-side ride and went up a, a steep hill and then had to come down that steep hill. And that was kind of scary for Evelyn. And But but Grandpa coached her through it and then talked about, you know what? Wasn't that fun, Evelyn, when it was all said and done? Wasn't that kind of fun to be able to do something that, that thought was kind of scary, but we didn't let that stop us and we were able to to do it and enjoy it and, and just encourage her in mm-hmm. her path of choosing faith over fear. And... And that's, I think, the neat thing about families is that we can support and encourage each other as we try to change and try to to learn these important yeah. principles of yeah. becoming well, that more that was like really Christ. meaningful for me as a parent too to have you guys because it wasn't planned. It was just kind of a, because he knew it. He he pushed her a little bit harder. Right? Like they just were going for a ride, and then he purposefully chose some things that were a little bit mm-hmm. scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and. But it's helpful. It's helpful as a parent to have to have those other people around you who can who can help you and support you and 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 help influence your children for better as well. And I think that's the the power when he talks about the power of a family. In my mind, I think that's at least part of it. There might even be more, but at least that encouragement and that support and that ability to custom tailor fit um, mm-hmm. the the lessons that we give our children and the the encouragement that we give them, I think that's the power yeah. of a family. That can't happen, yeah. like you say, through the church. Oh, I like that a lot. 
Is there anything else about, about families? Because then the second one I wanted to talk about was a Sabbath day. So the other promise that President Nelson gives us is that the Sabbath day would be a delight. And that was an interesting um, thing to think about, is that the Sabbath day would be a delight. But this last year, through this COVID quarantine, I have had so many families yeah. talk about how they have loved having church at home and how spending that time with their kids and having those lessons that were were tailor fit for their family, what they needed to hear, what how, what focus they needed to have, was so meaningful to them, and um, I just thought that was kind of interesting that that the Sabbath day had become more delightful as people took the opportunity to teach their own families. What was your experience, Lindsay? Oh, that was definitely my experience. We loved having church at home. Um, it has been so meaningful to my family to be able to, yeah, to talk about the things we want to talk about, to have a sacrament meeting that was intimate, that was like some of those sacrament meetings were by far the most spiritual sacrament meetings I've ever had. Um, because at church, you're worried about the Cheerios on the floor. You're worried about, you know, your your toddler screaming and taking them out. You're worried about like, it just takes a long time. Um, I don't know. You just, church, church can be wonderful. I actually, and I've enjoyed being able to go back a little bit every once in a while too. But church at home was just so powerful. And then the lessons were applicable to my kids and we had fun and it was relaxing. And we started um, being more intentional about calling our families, right? So we were able to talk to our families more often because we weren't at church all day. We could talk to you guys. We could talk to mm-hmm. Scott's parents. And um, that's been really fun. There's been so many things about Sunday that have become more delightful because of just kind of the sudden stop we had to take and realize nope, let's, let's, let's take a break for a minute and um, focus on what matters. Well, and if we, like you said, for those of us who took the opportunity to uh, make that, that day uh, still a Sabbath day and, and to talk about things that were important to our families, the Spirit was there, and, and, um, and, and it seemed to work for us. So anyway, I think that that um, Sabbath becoming a delight, I saw what that could mean um, during this this COVID time, so I think that um, I, I believe in that blessing that that is another um, thing that that we can learn to enjoy. Um, the next blessing that he talks about is children excited to learn and to live the principles that we're teaching. Um, I think you've had lots of experience with this, Lindsay. Do you want to share something or well, yeah? So for us, my kids do love it. They do enjoy talking about Jesus Christ, like to. To them, Jesus Christ is real, and I don't know how much of that is just because they're still young, but I think I like to think that part of it, too, is because we've made it such a focus and because they are starting to experience him in their life. So, um, like, I'll share just barely an experience we had this last week. Um, We've been talking about how Christ, or God wants us to know truth, as we've studied, um, yeah, the beginning of the Doctrine and Covenants and Joseph Smith, and um, anyway, I was inviting my kids to what's something that they want to know? And right, going back to this idea that as parents, we can help our kids act. And so I was asking my kids, you know, what is something that you want to know? And my oldest daughter says, well, I want to know how I can be kinder to my siblings or my sisters because I, I sometimes get really mad at them and I want to know how I can be kinder. My second daughter says, well, I want to know how I can serve people. And, and I thought, that's great. Um, and I kind of left it at that. 
Well, but then I actually, a little bit later, I had the thought that I need to actually teach them how to get those answers to prayer, right? It's not enough just to, or just to ask, but we need to actually learn how this process of revelation, because there is a process to it. And I realized, no, I, I can teach them this. And so we've been homeschooling because of COVID. So I was able to do this in the middle of the day, which was kind of fun. Um, but I had everyone gather up their scriptures. I said, okay, everyone get it, get scriptures. If you have a journal, grab your journal. And actually, which was only my oldest daughter and the, my other daughters didn't. And they, so I just gave them a piece of paper. Um, and my daughters that couldn't read, I actually, they had their scriptures next to them, but I, I gave them just a picture book of pictures of Christ to look at. And I says, okay, here's when I have a question that I want to know the answer to, here's what I do. And I explained to them, I showed them, I said, Here, here's my journal. I write my question at the top. And then I, I pray about it. And so then we said a family prayer, and then I encouraged each of them to say an individual prayer, asking specifically for their question. And then I told them, so now I'll read my scriptures, and then I'll write down any thoughts that come to mind. Well, what was so cool is because we were just sitting there, and my oldest daughter, anyway, about 15 minutes later, we kind of reconvened, and my oldest daughter says, Mom, I had the same thought three times that I need to share stuff from my special drawer. Um... And she just kind of left it at that. Like, it wasn't a huge deal to her. Except for me, I realized, like, no, she is starting to understand that she's had that thought multiple times. She's starting to have those experiences with the Holy Ghost, with Heavenly Father, like, with knowing what she needs to do. Um, And I don't think I had those experiences at such a young age. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember having my journal, and the day that I got baptized, because this daughter will get baptized here in a couple months, and I remember, <laughs> I can still go back and look at my journal. And it's like, May 1st, um, I got to go to the amusement park. We got to go to the zoo. Oh, and I also got baptized. <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> and, uh, oh, and by the way. <laughs> yeah. And I think my, I think my daughter is going to be a little bit more, um, she's more in tune than I was at that point, which is important because we are in a time period where they need to be. But yes, that's what that's President Nelson is saying is they have to be at this point. Absolutely. Um, but that just was cool. Like my kids are starting to learn and to live and they're excited about it. Like Evelyn loves, loves f- that feel. I, I mean, there's been a couple times where she's come told and told me that she's gotten answers to prayer and it's, to her, it's not a big deal. Like she's already learning it and she loves that she can do that. Like it's a part of her nature. Um and that's really fun to see. And that, that's been since Come Follow Me has started, which, I mean, she was five when it started, like, so it was perfect timing. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> but mm-hmm. for, for my family. Um, and then my other daughters, they're starting to, they're starting to get there too. And they're, they're still a little bit younger, but a little bit behind, a little bit, yeah, just younger. But they're, they're starting to get there. And it's really fun to see. But you know what? The timing, I think, is, is critical because when our kids are young like that, they are so pliable and they're so teachable and they're so filled with faith that that it's easy to guide them um, along this path. As they get older, it's if they haven't kind of already been on this path and learned these things, it's, it's harder. It's not that it can't be done. Absolutely, that's not the case. But the resistance is a little bit harder. It's like a tree. You know, when a tree is just starting out, it's just a little sapling. It bends so easily and, it, and it's so easy to um, to straighten and to to um, prop up the way that you want it to, to grow. Um, but as it gets older, it gets harder and harder to change that um, mm-hmm. trajectory. And so um, I, I actually love, I mean, 
In so many ways, um, the things that I know now, I wish that I would have known when my children were younger because it's just this um, idea of teaching for transformation is so powerful and it's really what our children need. And, um, and I'm just so excited to see those young mothers that are using it to, to teach their young children as, as they become. And, and I'm using it with my older children. It's not to say that it's not helpful there either, but, but the power of, of, of training them up when they're young is, is just really powerful. So Mm -hmm. anyway, so that the children are becoming excited to learn and to live those principles. Um, the last one of the promises that he talked about was that that the influence of the adversary would decrease. And, um, you know, I've had an experience with that in my home. My my um, youngest son now is in high school, and he's able to take some um, college classes. And um, he came home the other day, and he says, he says, you know, Mom, some of the things that they're, they're teaching us in this, this college, it was a political science class, this, this college political science class, he says, I just don't, I just don't agree with, it's not, it doesn't ring true to me. And so we sat down and we, we were talking about it. And um, I realized that he had come to a place in his life where he knew where to find truth. And that um, even though people were trying to convince him of alternate truth, he just says, that's, that's just not, that doesn't, ring true. I've had experience where I know that I felt the truth and been taught truth. And this isn't one of them. And he was not swayed by what this supposed expert of the of the times or the um, subject matter had to say. And I was so grateful for that. I thought, you know, that's what has come from years and years of of trying to study the scriptures and to to make a home where we're trying to teach the gospel principles to our home. And again, like you said, not every day has been perfect, and we haven't done it every day. We've missed some days, and we haven't done it very well some days. But the pattern of teaching our children the gospel and being consistent at it um, is is what pays off in the in the long run. And that I do truly believe that the influence of the adversary will decrease because our children will know truth and they will know where to find that truth. I think that's a great story. I like that. So, Mom, I have a question, though. Yeah. Um, what about some of those families who feel like those promises aren't being fulfilled? So mm. we can share some of these experiences we've had. Um, but there's some families out there who are putting in their best effort and it's not working. Their kids don't like it. Their kids complain. It's a fight. They're not having these transformative experiences. It's just not there. So what What do you say that's, to them? Or that's what? so true. I mean, I, I have heard that over and over again. And we have a tendency to talk about all of the positive things that can happen. And, and those are true as well. But, but to be real, it's hard. And there are a lot of times that um, teaching our children the gospel is a real challenge. Um, one of the things that that I like, though, is if we go back to President Nelson's uh, quote that we said earlier, the verbiage that he uses in that quote is really instructive. He talks about remodeling our home into a center of gospel learning. So uh, if you have ever remodeled, you know (laughs) what this means. And I have done this, and I hope to never do it again. Because we, um, we moved back into our home um, a few years ago, and 
we wanted to remodel the home for our son with um, that's in the wheelchair. And we needed to restructure it so that it, there weren't so many um, smaller rooms, but bigger rooms that he could access and make room for the wheelchair and and this kind of thing. And, and as part of that, we were redoing the, the kitchen and the living room and the hall and bathroom. And and um, it was kind of a, a major overhaul. Um, and it was a mess. It was chaotic. It was dirty. It was um, messy all the time. Like you couldn't walk um, anywhere without tracking dust down the carpeted hall that you weren't remodeling. Um, it was, it was just a mess. It was hard to live in and it was, um, chaotic and crazy and it took time. I mean, it was not done in a week. And obviously you always have the thing they tell you that it's going to be done in three weeks and it takes six weeks. It always takes longer than you think it's going to. Um, and so when when President Nelson talks about this remodeling, we have to remember that it's not just the end product. I loved, loved, loved my home when it was done. It was perfect for us. But that time when we were remodeling, when we were trying to make it like that, was hard. And um, if you, you know, rebuilding takes time and it takes effort. And if you give up in the middle of that, you're going to live in a disaster right? You have to push through to the end and get to that vision that you have of, of, of what this place could look like if we finish it. Um, and, and I will say that it would be, like we talked about earlier, it's especially hard with, with older kids because your remodeling structures have been in place for longer and, and your smaller kids are just more flexible and adapt quicker to change. But again, that doesn't mean that we can't make it happen. It just means it's going to take a little more time with our older kids than it is with our younger kids. And that in the end, the time and the effort is so worth it. Oh, so I love that idea, mom. And I want to add too, though, that it's kind of the premise of this podcast, right? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you can expound a little bit on why we chose the name My Teaching Matters and what it has to do with this topic of whether it's working or not. Oh, yeah. So, so we love this idea because the way our, our deepest heartfelt understanding is that the way that we teach matters. There's lots of ways to teach. There's lots of things that we can talk about. But the way that we do it, if really does matter if we want to really have our teaching be effective. And so many of us have sent through, sat through lessons at church where we're supposedly being taught, but we leave feeling frustrated because it didn't meet our needs or um, we covered so much information that it didn't really um, mean anything to me. Um, to me, that type of teaching um isn't helpful. I need something that's going to change me. If it's not going to help me become a better person, then it's not teaching me. And so that is why we talk about my the way my teaching matters is because it matters the way that you teach. If you really want to teach for transformation, then you have to do it a certain way. You can't just teach for information and think that that's good enough. And so that that's kind of what I think the meaning is behind our our title. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, part of me says, you know, if you're not seeing some of these things happen in your home as you're teaching Come Follow Me, then you need to learn how to teach it differently. Like, Mm. um, right? And it's not 
that's not to be rude. It's not to say anything. It's to say, look, there's, there's a better way. And I think that so many, you know, often at church, I think this happens with like, okay, hey, you need to teach your kids or go teach this lesson. And, but they don't teach you how to do it, right? And even mm-hmm. the teacher training classes, they're starting to put in those, well, at least before COVID, they're starting to do those teacher training classes to try to help you teach better. Mm-hmm. But when do they teach you how to teach your kids? Right? Teaching adults is going to be very different. And doing a Sunday school class is going to be very different from teaching Come Follow Me to your kids. And it's it's not your fault. It's not anyone's fault that we don't that we just we sit down and we read and we maybe ask the questions and come follow me. The Come Follow Me Come Follow Me manual is actually set up quite well. It's a very inspired. It's a it's a great manual. It's a fantastic manual. Mm-hmm. But it's also like it's meant for everyone, for example, right? For single, for parents, right. for families, for everybody. Um, and so for you to try to tailor it to your kids without actually knowing how to do it, it's going to be hard. And yes. that's why we have this podcast. That's why we have our, our challenge, right? Our 10 day children who know challenge mm-hmm. where it actually helps you experience what this is like to teach your kids, where we take you step by step. We show you what we're doing. Um, and that's, that's a really powerful challenge We're we're just finishing it up now. Um, but you can get on our waiting list and do it again whenever we launch it again, probably in April. Um, yeah, get in contact with us and we'll, we'll get you set up there. But like these kind of things, the way that you teach does matter. And so if you're not seeing these, some of these results, then you might need to try switching it up. You might need to learn a little bit something different. Um, and it's not your fault. It's not your fault that you haven't done this. You just haven't learned how to teach in a way that allows you to see these blessings. Absolutely. And I think that that's, um, what we're trying to do is trying to um, share some of that information to make it easier for you. Because actually, as you implement some of these things, you'll be amazed at how easy your teaching becomes. It's not something to dread. It's not something like, oh, I got to come up with another family home evening lesson or another come follow me lesson. It's actually very, very easy and and so effective. And that you're like, wow, I mean, I'm really seeing some things happening in my family here that I haven't seen before. And um, the gospel of Jesus Christ is simple, and Heavenly Father wants us to to use that simplicity as we teach our family. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be hard. Um, but it does need to be effective, and we need to learn those principles that will make our teaching effective. And God has given those principles to us, but we just have to learn how to use them and experiment ourselves on how to use them within our families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So, Mom, if I am someone who's maybe struggling, or maybe we're doing well, but 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 I think, anyway, if I'm someone who's maybe struggling a little bit, but I have this desire to be that fearless mother of faith, I identify with that even if we're not, like, that's who I am, I want to be, even if it doesn't quite look the way I want it to look yet, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. How can I put aside my di- doubts, put aside my fears, and become that fearless mother of faith that I want so desperately to be? I love that question. That is such a great question. Um, so there'd be a few things that I, I would say. And the first would be um, just keep trying. It's like like the analogy of the remodeling home. Don't quit in the middle. Just keep trying, even if it's just a little bit, because over time, that consistency of doing it will pay off. And it's going to be hard and it's going to be difficult. Um, but but keep after it, because eventually it's going to make a difference. Um the second thing is that I think that Heavenly Father wants you to succeed. Heavenly Father wants His children 
your children to learn his gospel and to live his gospel. And he's willing to to help you, but you've got to pray and ask for that help and ask for that inspiration and learn to yourself how to receive um, inspiration and receive revelation for your family. Um, and as you do that, Heavenly Father is going to bless you in multiplicities of ways to um, to bless your family through the, the things that you're learning. Um, the third thing I would say would, would be to give yourself mercy. Um, God loves effort. I mean, last um, podcast, we talked about um, letting go of perfectionism. It, when you're in the middle of remodeling, it's not going to look perfect. It's just not. And even when you get things put back in place, I don't know how many of your living rooms stay clean all day long, but <laughs> not mine doesn't. Um, you don't even have little kids. You're and I don't even have longer than mine. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And so we can't have this level of perfection that keeps us from doing what we need to do. We need to give ourselves a little bit of grace. Um, and then the last thing I would suggest, um, and maybe this should have been the first thing, I, I don't know, but I think to counsel with your family on how to proceed. I think that this idea of family councils is an eternal principle that Heavenly Father uses. Um, and as we counsel together with our family of how we can implement this, you know, Heavenly Father has asked us to do this Come Follow Me program. It's not working for us too well. What can we do and get the input of your children and your spouse of how to proceed and kind of just have that counsel with them, I think can make a huge difference because it gets the buy-in of those that are going to be participating and it gets their ideas of of what might work and if you as a mother are trying to force your agenda on the rest of your family you're going to get pushback you're going to get resistance and you're going to have a difficult time but if you include your family in the decisions and the um administration of of this program it's going to be a lot easier and a lot um less fraught with issues so that to me is a really important one is that you include your family in in how you're going to go about doing this i think that's a really important point um a really important point counseling as a couple with your spouse with your children having their input um that that does that makes them more interested it makes them um committed they feel like they have a responsibility in it and it's um that's 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 an eternal principle that god wants us to to utilize more is and i think that you know how can you unleash the power of your family if you don't learn to work together as a family and counseling is a fantastic way to do that yeah yeah exactly so you know we talk about um fearless mothers not being being swayed by the opinions of others or even by our children um how can we do that you know how can we um not worry about what other people are are saying or how do we not compare ourselves to what other families are doing? And how do we keep from from doing that? You know, Mom, I think that the key to me, the most important thing is having a clear vision of what you want to have happen or what you mm-hmm. what you stand for, right? Because when, when you know where you're headed and you know why, then it's a whole lot easier to not care or not... When, when others say something, like you already know what's important to you. You've already thought through this. So... Maybe here's an example. Um, in our home, we don't use a lot of technology, or at least at least with the kids, right? Um, we do a lot of 
like they, they don't have any screen time till after four o'clock. And even then it's not every day. Um, we have, you know, as I've been transitioning to this homeschooling, um, I wanted to do a lot of that in person, right? We were going to use workbooks. We're going to use books. We're going to use um, people. Anyway, um, my daughter recently has been struggling with her math. Actually, she's, she's always been quite, quite good at math, but there's just this one concept that she's really struggling with. And, and she's, it's, I've explained it to her as many times as I can. And, um, and, and I, I just couldn't do it anymore. Well, the other day I, I realized that I needed some help. That I couldn't do this just on my own. And I had the thought, well, you know what? She's actually old enough now that maybe it would be worth it for her to learn, do some computer learning, right? To learn from an expert on the computer, someone who has taught second grade math before and can explain mm-hmm. this on a level that she can understand. And, um, you know, in the, in the past, I had always been kind of very anti-computer, but I finally realized, you know what, no, the computer has a place. I actually am taking multiple classes on the computer, right? I have multiple things I'm learning from a couple different people, classes and things that I'm learning on the computer. And I actually think that the computer has a, there's, there's a wonderful tool there, but the, the key is just doing that both. Anyway, but I had, so I realized that I want her to learn. I can't do this on my own. I'm going to let her um, use this computer to, or use, I use Khan Academy to learn this, this math. So she started doing that and, and it's been helpful. We haven't quite got out of it, but it's, it's been good. Well, my kindergartner is like, mom, I want to do computer games like my big sister. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, well, no, you actually, your math is working really well. Like I actually really like what we're doing and you don't like, I'm helping you. And that's, that's good enough. Um, but because I was clear on what I wanted, Right? I wasn't swayed by my other daughter. I wasn't swayed by, you know, some of my friends who are like, no, you don't need like, who are like, no, let's do everything, no computer. But I also wasn't swayed, like beforehand, I wasn't swayed by people who are like, yeah, just do everything on the computer. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter what the answer is. You have to realize what's important to your family and, and have that vision and have that idea of what's set, what's important. And, and when you understand where you're at and what you care about, Right? We're not using the computer just for games. We're using it because, um, not just for games, but for like for learning. And for my kindergartner, it would have just been for games, not for the learning. So that was, um, anyway, so that, that was a way that we did that. Yeah, I love that. When you have a vision where you know what you're doing and what you're trying to accomplish, it makes it so much easier to to not be swayed. And it's the same with our kids, right? Where the, when they know uh, what's true, they're not going to be swayed by somebody's argument uh, uh, that's not true. And um, the same is with us. We have to have a vision of what we want to see happen and how um, we see that working for our family. And as we do so, it's going to be easier. I love that that point that you made that, you know what, even you know, some of us would have thought, you know what, if I'm going to give screen time to one child, then I probably have to give screen time to the other child. That really is fair. But in your mind, it wasn't, it wasn't about screen time. It was about learning a principle. And so therefore, there was, you didn't have to be swayed by little Katie saying, well, I want to use the computer too. Um, and I think that that's so important that as we um, if we want to be fearless mothers of faith, we have to have a vision. We have to know what we're fighting for and what, um, where our own values lie so that we c- won't be swayed by, by others and what, because there's a lot of things out there. And, and it, and there's a lot of things that it doesn't matter which way you think, 
but you've chosen a path and then if you have that vision then it's easy to make decisions when decisions are needed to be made and that i believe is a fearless mother who commits themselves to a certain principle of the gospel and they're not swayed by things that come up no i don't think so i was just going to go on and say i think that the, the just the last point and we'll try to be a little bit briefer with this but the last point about fearless mothers um is that they're committed to improving themselves and, and growing closer to Heavenly Father, right? Like a fearless mother of faith cares about her own self-development just as much as she does about her children's. Yes, yes. And I think that our audience is exactly these type of women that um, understand that in order for them to to give to their children, they have to um, have that understanding themselves. And so, you know, Understanding how to receive revelation ourselves, understanding how to teach and why it matters, understanding um, the gospel principles in in your own life. Um, Those are important things that we have to be committed to improving within ourselves before we can help our children um, learn those things. And so I I really believe that um, the people who are interested in this cause, that those that are, are following us, are those kind of people who are striving to become these things. Mm-hmm. But the reality of the matter is that finding time to work on things for ourselves is really difficult as a mother. I mean, Lizzie, you have four children. You know that time for yourself is in short supply. Um, uh-huh. So, you know, how can we improve ourselves and grow closer to God while we're trying to take care of all of these little people? Yeah. No, that's a great question. Um, and there are a couple things that I think have made the biggest difference for me. One is I make sure to take a little bit of time every morning to read my scriptures, to ask God a question, to write in my scripture journal. And, you know, I read a, something online, and this I thought this was so beautiful. It talks about how in the scriptures, um, why is it that the men always have to go to the mountain, to the temple, right, to, to listen mm-hmm. to God? And then she says, well, you know what? I think that God comes to the women, right? Christ went to the women at the well. He goes to the, like, we don't have the ability and the time to go up to that mountain to go talk to God. (laughs) So he comes to us. And I just thought that was so beautiful. That is so true, right? (laughs) Um, I thought that was so beautiful. And, you know, the same is true, actually, in the Muslim faith. We had, I, I was talking to some, someone from there. And they're saying that, you know, the men will go to the, to the tabernacle to go worship. I don't, I don't think they use the word tabernacle, the mosque. Mm-hmm. They'll go to the mosque to worship. And it's not that women aren't allowed. Women are welcome to come. But women get the same benefits if they worship at home, whereas men, in order to get, like, in, in their religion, like, they, the men have to go to that mosque to get the same benefits that the women would have at home. Does that make sense? Like, I love that idea. Um, and anyway, so it's this, it's that same idea. And I have found that when I take that few minutes in the morning, and sometimes it's five, sometimes it's 15 to 20, it's rarely more than that. Um, but I feel God usually answer my prayer or I feel his his influence and that that makes a big difference just taking that few minutes in the morning um that's easier when I'm not pregnant right I have to always adjust when I get that time but but I try to take a few minutes every morning to do that and the other thing that makes the biggest difference to me is that I have friends I have other fearless mothers of faith friends that I can interact with mm-hmm. right ones in person so when my kids are playing we can do that friends I can call on the phone and I can say hey I was reading my scriptures and this was really cool like what do you think of this um, and share those things with them and and that ability to have someone to talk to and to share those experiences with helps me grow as a mother and I see what they're doing and it inspires me to be better um, right they can they can take the time to learn it and then give me the highlights which then allow me to 
to accelerate a little bit faster, right? Whereas, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. our goal with this podcast is that we learn all this stuff and then hopefully we can help accelerate some of your guys's learning to teach better faster, right? Because right. we've put all this time behind it. Um, and th- those, so those are some of the ways that make the biggest difference for me while my kids are still young. You know, another thing I, w- I would add to that that I have found as I have started, even with my older kids, but as I have started studying using this idea of a theme, a monthly theme, um, it's feel, I feel like my study is so much more productive because I have something that I'm working towards and working with. And, and, and then I would imagine that you with your little kids, as you're working with them on the same theme that you're working on personally, that those kind of just can mesh together so well. Mm-hmm. And so the time that you do have is so much more productive because you have a focus and because you're, um, you're working on, on a singular topic at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. For me, that has, that has helped make me feel like my study is more productive. Okay, so Lindsay, yeah, let's, that's true. let's recap. That's true. Um, recap, we're striving to become fearless mothers of faith. It, it doesn't mean we're perfect at this yet, but it's something that we're striving for. But, but remind us, as fearless mothers of faith, what are we striving for? You know, we are striving to trust in God's promises and to not be afraid to be fearless in our invitations to our children and to act on the things that they're learning and for us to act on the things we're learning, right? We're fearless in our, in the sense that we know our end goal and we're willing to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to help our family get there. Um, and we're not going to allow the opinions of others to sway us, and you know, not even the opinions of our children, um, right? We're fearless in the sense that we're committed to improving ourselves, to doing what's right and consistently growing closer to the Savior. I love that. And and honestly, I believe that as we focus on doing these things, the Heavenly Father is going to bless our efforts and he gonna, He's going to magnify our actions. And over time, we're going to begin to see the results of our efforts and our sacrifice. And there's going to be times that we feel like we're in that chaos of remodeling. Um, but when we have that vision of what we want our home to look like when we're done and we keep after it, it will be better and even more magnificent than than we ever dreamed. And and that is the promises that our our prophet and our Heavenly Father have given us. And so I just want to encourage our listeners to keep after it, that this is worth it, that you are chosen women of God, and that you can be fearless mothers of God at this time. And um and that's what he's want. That is what he's wanting for us and for our children. Uh, yeah, I agree, Mom. That That's perfect. So we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you all again next week. Remember that your teaching matters. Bye, everybody. Bye.